Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt is sponsored by the Marquardt Law Firm and does not attempt to solve your individual legal problems upon the basis of information contained herein. Instead, contact an attorney to discuss the specific facts and circumstances of your unique situation. The views and opinions of this program do not reflect the views of the Salem Media Group. It's time for Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Todd Marquardt, attorney at law in Texas. If you're a millionaire or a thousandaire, Talk Law Radio is now on the air. Call in with your business law question, your elder law question. Veteran aid, Medicaid, build a business to get paid. 210-308-8867. Or ask a question online at marquardtlawfirm.com. That's M-A-R-Q-U-A-R-D-T, lawfirm.com. And now, it's Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Welcome to Talk Law Radio. This is your host, Todd Marquardt. Marquardt Law Firm is sponsoring our show today, and attorneys at Marquardt Law Firm focus on business and estate law, including last wills, living trusts, tax-protected inheritance plans, new businesses, and old businesses, which might have issues with corporations, contracts, LLCs, FLPs, and we can represent those who are facing problems from lack of planning, guardianships, probate, and our new attorneys can handle uh, litigation. Our staff includes attorneys Daniel Palmer, Alex Vollmer, and me. Now it's time to discover your legal issue blind spots by listening to me Talk about the law on the radio. The State Bar of Texas is the state agency that governs attorney law licenses, and the State Bar wants attorneys to inform the public about the law. But because legal advice must be tailored to the specific circumstances of each case, and laws are ever-changing, material discussed in this program is meant for general informational purposes only, and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Before we get started talking about the law, let's begin with prayer. Dear God, thank you for this day and for all the gifts and blessings that you give to us. Please forgive us for our sins, our mistakes, for doing the wrong thing, failing to do your will. Please help attorney Peter Parenti with Wealth Council and me give good information to the listeners about Series LLC today. Help us to use the gifts and talents you have provided for the good of your people for our own good, and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so today on Talk Law Radio, we're going to discuss the Series Limited Liability Company, also known as a Series LLC. It's a type of formal legal business entity. It is a specific type of LLC. Our guest, attorney Peter J. Parenti, who is board certified in both estate planning law, and tax law will help us understand how the series LLC started in Texas and what's unique about it. Let's get Mr. Parenti on the line. Well, hello, Todd. Hello. How are you? 
I'm doing great this morning, and I'm excited to do this program with you. Awesome. Uh, thank you for joining us, and uh, let's let the audience know a little bit about you. How long have you lived in San Antonio? Well, I, I first came here in 1970 to go to St. Mary's Law School, uh, graduated in 1973, and I went on to New York University's Graduate Law School, where I got my Master's of Law in Taxation, uh, graduating there in 1974, and, and came back to San Antonio to practice law, and have been here ever since. In um, 1979, I got board certified in estate planning and probate law, and in 1983, I got board certified in tax law. That was the first year tax law was uh, was offered as a certification. So, so I've been just doing those things: uh, 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 estate planning, probate, tax law, business planning, asset protection planning, uh, ever since then. How did you become interested in this field? Well, uh, uh, at, you know, by necessity, uh, when, when, when I first started my practice, uh, I had a lot of doctor clients. Uh, and um, uh, this was way back in the 1980s. Uh, I had a lot of doctor clients, and, and they were really getting concerned about the high cost of malpractice insurance. Uh, so I developed some ideas on how I could judgment-proof my doctor clients and allow them to lower their malpractice coverage just to the, the limit that the hospitals were requiring, uh, and, uh, and then uh, judgment-proof uh, their assets, um, and make them uh, hold their assets in such a way that if they got sued, they wouldn't be lost to creditors. So uh, I was the very first lawyer uh, in San Antonio, perhaps the whole state of Texas, to start doing that practice, because I had so many doctor clients that were worried about malpractice lawsuits. So. Um, I, uh, I was contacted by uh, uh, one of the malpractice insurance carriers wondering what I was doing, and I explained it to them. And they asked me if I would do seminars all over the state to their, uh, uh, their insureds, uh, the doctors. And uh, my practice just boomed uh, when, when I started doing that. So, so um, you know, I'm, um, I'm now, what, maybe like 47 years practicing, and uh, I'm real happy to continue to do that. Great. And you have some um, publications that you're proud of. Tell us about those. Well, I, 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 I co-authored several books um, uh, back in the 1990s. Uh, and then, you know, occasionally I, I, uh, I write an article that gets published in um, uh, some, uh, various legal journals. Uh, one of them was the, uh, the, uh, the Journal of Practical Estate Planning. I've had several articles published in that. And uh, one, of, one of them was uh, uh, an article about the choice of business entities and how the, uh, what, what, what are your various choices in setting up a business or setting up an asset protection plan, you know, and how they should be set up and what, what entities you should be using to own, the, uh, uh, what, what, what kind of trusts and what, what kind of uh, uh, limited partnerships, limited liability companies. And I just went into, you know, the various uh, ways of, of setting up uh, business entities and asset protection plans in the article. So, okay. Um, well, before we get into those specific questions, uh, I wanted to ask a little bit more about you, just so the audience knows who we're talking about. Um, you have a family here too, right? Tell us about them. Yes. Yeah. I, I have my wife, uh, uh, Linda, who uh, she and I have been married for uh, over 48 years. Uh, and we have a daughter, Andriana, and Andriana lives with us, uh, with her husband, Daniel. And, uh, and then we also have a son that lives on his own. So, 
Uh, his name's Christopher. And did you meet Linda at St. Mary's? Yes, I did. I did. I met her at St. Mary's in 1970, and uh, it was love at first sight. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great our first, story. Our first date, we well, our very first date, we went to Mass. That's <laughs> our very first date. We, went, you know, we, we at, at St. Mary's Law School, they have a, a tradition called uh, the Red Mass, and uh, after the Red Mass, since you know all of the law students were over 21. Uh, they they have a cocktail party, so that's that mm-hmm. was our first date. So so I I, I guess uh, uh, our relationship was blessed by the Lord. <laughs> there you go. So in addition to uh, being a member of a local church, what other organizations do you participate in? Well, uh, I'm I'm a member of Wealth Council, uh, and Wealth Council is a, a network of estate planning and business planning lawyers. Um, I, I'm actually one of the uh, the owners of Wealth Council, uh, and um, uh, we we have about maybe five or six thousand lawyers nationwide in every state, uh, even in a few territories of the United States. Uh, uh, and uh, so so we're we're a network of of state planning attorneys. And the nice thing is is that uh, if I have uh, an issue that I, I need to consult with another lawyer, that's uh, uh, on a matter that's in another state, I, I can just very easily call that that member of Wealth Council and uh, uh, consult with that lawyer if I need to have my client hire their legal services uh, 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 because they want to create an entity in that state. Um, um, I just I just contact uh, that 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 member lawyer in uh, in that other state, and uh, so it's, it's a wonderful network. Uh, we we started the company back in 1997. Uh, we're completely debt free. Uh, never, never had any long-term debt. Uh, we have almost 100 employees right now that that service uh, our members. Wow! So, uh, yeah, and I find it to be a great organization. I've been a member uh, for six years now, I think. Yeah. And what I tell people is, it's a national community of top estate planning professionals committed to the highest standard of practice excellence. It's a collaborative organization, and along with attending seminars taught by nationally recognized leaders in their field, it keeps me on the cutting edge of the newest estate planning ideas and approaches. So we're going to take a break for about a minute, and then when we come back, we'll talk more specifically about uh, what is a series LLC and how do I know if I even want to use that entity. So stay tuned. You've heard him on Talk Law Radio. Now work with his firm yourself. Marquardt Law Firm is the go-to firm in San Antonio for wills, trusts, and powers of attorney. Want to have a say on who will get your money and assets when you die instead of leaving it up to a judge? Then you need a proper estate plan in place, and Marquardt Law Firm can help you do just that. It can also develop a strategy for your long-term care financing and help maneuver the complicated Medicaid process for your family. Call them today to schedule your no-cost legal consultation. Call 210-530-4278. Again, that's 210-530-4278. Protect what's yours with Marquardt Law Firm. MarquardtLawFirm.com. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio. I'm your host, Todd Marquardt, and we're talking with attorney Peter Parenti, who is going to enlighten us about what a 
Series LLC is, and how do I know that I even want to use that entity? Are you still with us? Yes, uh, I, I am. And uh, so what a Series LLC is, uh, it's, it's a limited liability company that uh, you will need to get a charter for with the Texas Secretary of State. Uh, and this this type of limited liability company allows you to create separate series limited liability and series subsidiaries. I like to refer to them as series subsidiaries, uh, and, and as many as you want. And and the only thing you have to file additionally with the Secretary of State is an assumed name certificate for that series. And so, I uh, I had been doing these series limited liability companies uh, uh, way longer before that we had we had our statute uh, here in Texas uh, under um, uh, uh, section 101 um, excuse me chapter 101 of the Texas business organization code they created subchapter M and it took effect in um, September 1st of, of 2009 but I had been doing them in um, Nevada I was of counsel to a law firm in Nevada and I had been setting up Nevada series limited liability companies uh, for my Texas clients using the Nevada law. Uh, and you know, for, for, I was doing them mostly for asset protection plans. So when our statute took effect, I had three of them ready to go uh, uh, in, in August of 2009. Uh, and I filed them with the Secretary of State with a letter, with a letter saying, don't process this until September 1, because that's when our statute took effect. Mm-hmm. And of course, the Secretary of State, uh, the lawyers there, had, had hadn't even had a chance to read the new statute, sub subchapter M of Chapter 101 of the Business Organizations Code. Uh, and I, I had to sort of uh, walk them through and explain to them how how these things were created, and how uh, but that when you wanted to create a subsidiary, an assumed name certificate had to be filed. Now, at that time, it wasn't in the statute that you had to file an assumed name for your subsidiary, but it was just common sense. That if the parent company, the, the the primary or the master LLC, was going to uh, do business using one of its series subsidiaries, that series subsidiary needed to file an assumed name certificate. So I I explained all that to the Secretary of State's uh, attorneys there, and uh, they they understood what was going on. They had they finally had a chance to read subchapter M, and accepted all my paperwork. And I so I I had actually filed the first three with the uh, the state of Texas. And you helped uh, establish the procedure. Yes, yeah. Um, the, the 2013 legislature finally uh, 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 amended subchapter M to explain that, yes, you've got to file an assumed name certificate for, for your series subsidiaries. <laughs> so, so it took, took a couple years, uh, a couple of legislatures after the 2009 legislature to get that accomplished in, in the statute. Um, but uh, but you know I, I like to analogize that if you if you wanted to set up a corporation, uh, say a parent corporation, and then that corporation wanted to to set up separate subsidiaries, well w- when you use a corporation, you've got to get a separate charter for each subsidiary, mm-hmm. and, and that can get very expensive when you use a corporation. So, uh, so well, what I what I refer to as a statutory corporation under under Texas law, you get a corporate charter. Uh, and 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 then if you wanted to have a subsidiary for a corporation, you have to get a separate charter for each of your subsidiaries. Mm-hmm. But with a series LLC, you get a charter for the parent or the master LLC, and then you set up as many you can set up uh, a thousand subsidiaries if you want 
just file an assumed name certificate for each one. Now, the thing to bear in mind is that your assumed name certificate is only good for 10 years, so you have to renew it every 10 years. So, right. so that's, that's very important to do. So, so the ones that I, I did in 2009, uh, you know, I had, I had to contact the clients and tell them, oh, we've got to renew. Uh, you know, back in 2019, we had to renew mm-hmm. all of those uh, assumed name certificates for the subsidiaries. The way you um, describe it makes it sound so easy, but uh, yeah. I know that it's uh, actually complicated to uh, right. to follow the statute and make sure that each of those series are going to have separate liabilities. That, that's correct, and and you know uh, a lot of people will try to do do everything on their own. Uh, if you go to the Secretary of State's website, they have a lot of promulgated forms for setting up regular LLCs, corporations, and limited partnerships, but they don't have a promulgated form for series LLCs. So uh, the only way you can set up a series LLC is you need to contact a lawyer that knows what they're doing, that has experience in setting mm-hmm. up series LLCs. So, so, so you know, um, uh, a lot of times uh, CTAs will, will, will try to set up regular LLCs, and they, they go to the Secretary of State's website, and they, they don't find anything for series LLCs. <laughs> so, but, you know, CPAs should not be setting up business entities for their clients. That's the practice of law, setting mm-hmm. up business entities for clients. But a lot of them do it. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, it's not a good idea, uh, you know, if you're a CPA and you're doing that, setting up business entities, because your malpractice insurance only covers you for the practice of accounting and not the practice of law. You know, unless the CPA is also a licensed lawyer. Yeah, it's best to have uh, somebody in each industry on your team, uh, but not somebody that tries to do everything for everybody. Yeah, exactly. And and I like to encourage clients that you know that uh, all their various advisors need to be part of a team uh, because you know, hey, more than one head is better than one. Right. It's good to have a second pair of eyes. Yeah. So sure. you've probably helped lots of different types of industries with Series LLC. What what have you found that it suits uh, particular businesses about having a series? Well, uh, you know, uh, give me an example. I have a client that I recently set up a Series LLC for, and um, when, when I started doing work for the client, I, I realized that he had three distinct separate operations. Uh, and uh, they, each of them did absolutely three different things, but they were sort of related in, 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 uh, in, in what they did. Uh, so I created a master series LIC for this client, and then for each separate operation, um, you know, for example, one was a store, uh, one, one was a, uh, uh, a business that, that rendered services, uh, uh, a certain type of service to to customers, and the other one was another type of business that had a different service that they rendered for customers. Uh, so I, I, I set the client up with the master uh, parent LLC, and, and then for each of those different operations, they were in separate subsidiaries. And, and the reason for doing that is is that under our Texas statute, that the, uh, the, the, the master parent is not liable for any of the debts, obligations, or liabilities or any kind of uh, occurrence that might create a lawsuit or liability of any of the subsidiaries, and each subsidiary is not responsible for the debts and liabilities and obligations of each other subsidiary. 
that's what our 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 our, our subchapter M of chapter 101 of the business organization code says it spells it right out mm-hmm. that 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 you know you cannot you cannot have a uh, you cannot sue uh, the the whole entity you you can only sue the the one entity that the the, the liability occurrence occurred on say so, so so uh, we, we we insulate we are insulating the the three different businesses from liabilities to each other, and then we're insulating the parent from the liabilities of each subsidiary. Say. And that that's the intent. That's that's sort of the, the the same intent when you have a corporation, where you know you have the charter for the parent, and you had to get separate charters for each subsidiary. Each subsidiary is not responsible for the debts and liabilities of each other. Subsidiary and the parents not responsible for the debts and liabilities of each corporate subsidiary. So the same sort of concept, except it's a lot simpler using a series LLC mm-hmm. and using a corporation. And the nice thing about LLCs is that they're sort of the chameleon of 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 um, uh, under tax law. Now, bear in mind we have the state law issues when you set up an LLC. But then you also have tax law considerations. Do you want your LLC to be taxed as a corporation? Uh, do you want it to be taxed as a partnership? Do you want it to be taxed as uh, a sole proprietorship? Say. So you, you know, an LLC can be any one of those three. You know, if you su- choose being taxed as a corporation, you've got the choice of being a regular C corporation or an S corporation. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're already a corporation, and you think you'd like to become an LLC, uh, then then your your only choice is you have to be an LLC. You can convert your corporation to an LLC, uh, and that LLC has to be taxed as a corporation, still with the two choices. You could be a C, taxed as a C corporation, which is a regular corporation and has its tax rates under Section 11 of the Internal Revenue Code, or you could be taxed as uh, a, a, a subchapter S corporation. And there's an advantage, I think, um, that an LLC has over uh, a corporation in that if a, if a court and a judge does find that you're responsible for uh, a liability that you caused somebody damage and and right. you, you ought to uh, owe that plaintiff some money, the, the remedy is different. Yes, yes. Um, uh, now here, here we're talking about the insulation of liability uh, uh, for for the the owners of the parent uh, right. LLC, which which you know in LLC parlance uh, we we call the owners the members of the LLC, uh, and uh, that they're analogous to a corporation where we have the corporation and we have the shareholders. So the shareholders are the owners of the corporation, the members are the owners of the LLC. So, so what the Texas law says that if a member of an LLC gets sued personally, that the creditors cannot take away their membership interest in the LLC. They, they're prohibited. Mm-hmm. Their, their sole exclusive remedy is what's called a charging order, which is an order uh, to the 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 LLC saying if and when you make distributions of any assets or profits to this particular member, that distribution goes to the member's creditor. But the the, the court cannot force the LLC to make distributions to the member. Right? 
Uh, and another nice thing about the Texas statute is, is that um, um, the in, unlike other states that even even though they have the exclusive remedy of the charging order, in Texas you cannot foreclose on a charging order, whereas in other states uh, a creditor can. Now, what foreclosure means is that the the creditor who gets the charging order who realizes well the charging order is not working. Uh, uh, in other states, the, cre- the creditor can become a permanent assignee of that membership interest, which means even after the liability is paid off, they still own that membership interest. Mm. Texas pro- prohibits that. See? The exclusive remedies, the charging, that doesn't work. Tough luck in Texas. Right? So, uh, so we, we have probably the best LLC protection laws in the country here in Texas compared to a, a number of other states that don't have this prohibition against the, the foreclosure of the charging order where the creditor becomes a permanent assignee. Now, they never become, what assignee means is they never become a full-blown member. Right. So, so they, they, they're just, they just have the right to receive the distributions. Okay, so we've been talking about Series LLC on Talk Law Radio with attorney Peter Parenti, and we're going to take a, a long break, but stay tuned because we're going to talk about how series LLCs are taxed and, and what the filing requirements are going to be with, uh, the, with the IRS and with the Texas Controller. So you've been listening to Talk Law Radio on 9.30 a.m. The Answer with your host, Todd Marquardt, and we're going to take a short break, so stay tuned. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio with your host, Todd Marquardt. We're here today talking with attorney Peter Parenti about series LLCs. You still with us? Yes, uh, I am. Okay. Uh, one of the the additional things I wanted to point out about this concept of the charging order, uh, it's an exclusive concept for limited liability companies and limited partnerships. So uh, if you own stock in a corporation and you get sued, there there's no protection like charging orders. Uh, a creditor can take away your stock in your corporation. So you know if you have a small business that you're running as a corporation, uh, it's a good idea to consider converting that to an LLC, uh, be it a regular LLC or a series LLC. Series LLC is probably better because you know it's uh, this, the same filing fee. It's a $300 filing fee with the Secretary of State, whether you, you're filing for a series LLC or a regular LLC. Uh, and, and, and then now your membership interest in your LLC could not be taken away if you're personally sued. Right? Uh, so, again, you don't have that protection when you own stock in your corporation, your small business corporation. Your stock can be taken away, and now your creditor is going to own your company. So there might be other reasons to form a traditional corporation, but we're not going to get into that today. It's not right. uh, one size fits all. We have to do a, an analysis to figure out what would be best for somebody. So right. w- when somebody... A lot of people ask me, uh, should I be a corporation? Should I have an LLC? Should I have a limited partnership? Or should I do anything at all? Uh, when people ask you that question, how do you respond? Well, 
what you have to do is you have to sort of look both at the state law issues. The state law issue controls how you set up an entity, and then there's the federal income tax law issues that you have to mm-hmm. look at. Say so, uh, and and it's they're 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 not necessarily related uh, to one another uh, when when you set up a, a business entity. So you can choose for state law purposes to be a corporation, a limited partnership, uh, a limited liability company, uh, and and then you can decide on what kind of federal income taxation that you want. Now, of course, one nice thing about Texas, we don't have a state income tax, and we do have a franchise tax in Texas, but we don't have a state income tax. So, so, so then when you choose being a corporation for state law purposes, then you only have the two choices, either for federal tax purposes to be an S corporation or a C corporation. The, the state of Texas doesn't care what you are uh, for, for income tax purposes because we don't have an income tax. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we don't have a state income tax in Texas. See? See, but, but then when you choose an LLC, uh, or even a limited partnership for that matter, you can choose any taxation you want. So you can be taxed as a corporation. You can be taxed as a sole proprietor if you only have one owner. You can be taxed as a partnership if you have more than one owner. So, uh, so with a limited partnership or an LLC, you, you, you've got lots of federal income tax choices. Right? And, and again, the income tax choice that you choose has no relationship to the entity that you decide to do business under. Or if you're setting up your, your entity for asset protection purposes for, for owning your investments, uh, you know, for example, uh, if if you own lots of rental properties, well, you certainly don't want to be a corporation if you own lots of rental properties. You don't want to choose that because the, there's income tax ramifications every time you sell a piece of property. Right? Uh, so you're you're better off choosing a limited partnership or an LLC if you're going to own uh, real estate. And again, uh, to give you an example, I had a client that had 17 rental properties. So I, I set the client up with a series LLC, uh, and uh, uh, um, we, we put each rental property. Series one was uh, rental property one, series two, rental property two, series three, and you know, seventeen of them. And wow. because the the client owned owned everything, uh, we set up the LLC as a disregarded entity as a sole proprietorship. Right. Uh, so the client would continue now to report. On their personal 1040 tax return, uh, the uh, uh, all of these different rental properties, which goes on Schedule E of the Form 1040. Okay, so, so uh, in years before the client had the Series LLC, everything went on the Schedule E. With the L- the Series LLC, everything goes on the Schedule E. So nothing changes tax-wise mm-hmm. because the 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 uh, the IRS issued some regulations, which took effect on January one. Uh, 1997, which we popularly called the the, the uh, check the box regulations or the choice of business entity uh, regulations, and uh, said that you know if if your entity is owned by one taxpayer, it's considered a disregarded entity. So, uh, and a taxpayer can be an individual, a corporation, um, it could be an LLC. Uh, doesn't doesn't matter if, if if say for example our our parent LLC. Has just one member uh, that owns 100% of the parent LLC. All the subsidiaries are disregarded entities. 
along with the parent. Everything goes on the parent's personal 1040 tax return. Or say if you had a partnership uh, that that, uh, was owned by one person, it's really not a partnership for income tax purposes. You Mm -hmm. have to have more than one person. But you can use a... Uh, a limited partnership, even though it's a limited partnership for, for state law purposes, if all the partners are disregarded entities, uh, all of the members, all of the partners, limited partners are disregarded entities, then then everything goes on a 1040. You don't file a 1065 partnership tax return if you only have one partner. Yeah. IRS says if you only have one partner, you don't have a partnership for income tax purposes. Right. But for state law purposes, we are. Okay, so what if you have this uh, series LLC with multiple members? Then I guess you get a tax ID for that, an EIN. Yes, if if you have um, multiple members of your LLC, then you're you're going to be your your choice is partnership taxation, or you can choose to be uh, taxed as a corporation, be an S corporation or a C corporation if you have multiple members. Uh, and all because of these check-the-box regulations that came out on January 1, 1997, uh, you get to choose how you want your entity to be income taxed. But the, those regulations say, now, if you are a statutory corporation, you're a chartered corporation with the state, then your only two choices are C-corporation or S-corporation. But if you're not a statutory corporation, such as an LLC or a partnership, you can be whatever you want to be. And so in the hypothetical multi-member series LLC with, uh, say, 17 series, does right. each series need to get its own tax ID number? Not, not if it's 100% owned by the parent LLC, the master LLC. If it's, uh, it, it uses the parent's tax ID number. The only time you would get a separate one is if that separate series had separate employees of its own and it had to, has to file uh, uh, the 940 and 941s with the, the, uh, 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 with the IRS. Okay. For, for, you know, in other words, it has to make its own payroll tax reports. I see. Right? So, so then, 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 all, then and only then does a wholly owned series have to get its own tax ID numbers. So... Okay, well, that makes sense. How about in the case of the Texas franchise tax, um, even if you have uh, low revenue, you still have to file a report. So yes. who files uh, the report under for a series? Well, uh, the, the, there, there's no, no separate franchise tax report that you file for any of the series. When the parent files its Texas franchise tax report, uh, it covers the parent and all of the series subsidiaries. So, so there's only one franchise tax report, and one of the nice things is that uh, our, under our Texas franchise tax, if, if your gross receipts are a million dollars or under, you are entitled to file what's called the no-tax-due franchise tax report. So there's really no franchise tax. So the nice thing in Texas is, is, that, is that you know you pay your $300 filing fee to get your series LLC, and that's the last thing you ever have to pay to the state of Texas. So, whereas a lot of other states, if you set up an LLC in that state, if that state has a state income tax, then, then every year you've got to file the state income tax for, for that LLC. Uh, and then a lot of times they have annual fees. Nevada, for example, 
if you have a series LLC or a regular LLC or any kind of entity, every year you've got to file an annual report, then you've got to file for a business license, and then they, they have some other license now. So there's three different reports you have to file for an LLC in the state of Nevada every year, and there's fees for all three of those different reports. Sorry. Uh, not in Texas. So I mean, with a lot of my clients that, that I set up series LLCs before 2009, I've since converted them all to Texas LLCs so that we don't have to be bothering with all these reports uh, that the state of Nevada wants. I mean, uh, when you add it all up, it's 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 like six hundred dollars that you have to pay to, pay to the state of Nevada every year for all these different fees for your LLC. Okay, so for the the series LLC or or regular LLC, who controls the affairs? Well, uh, an LLC can be set up as a member managed LLC or a manager managed LLC. Uh, a member managed means that we sort of have what we call decentralized control. Well, let me stop member. you right there, Mr. Parenti. We're going to have to come to a break. Uh, okay. Just a minute, though. So when we come back, we'll get into the details of uh, the, the member managed LLC and the manager managed LLC and uh, further detail how those could be organized. So you're listening to Talk Law Radio on 9.30 a.m. The Answer with your host, Todd Marquardt, and guest appearance by attorney Peter Parenti. We're going to a break, but stay tuned. You've heard him on Talk Law Radio. Now work with his firm yourself. Marquardt Law Firm is the go-to firm in San Antonio for wills, trusts, and powers of attorney. Want to have a say on who will get your money and assets when you die instead of leaving it up to a judge? Then you need a proper estate plan in place, and Marquardt Law Firm can help you do just that. It can also develop a strategy for your long-term care financing and help maneuver the complicated Medicaid process for your family. Call them today to schedule your no-cost legal consultation. Call 210-530-4278. Again, that's 210-530-4278. Protect what's yours with Marquardt Law Firm. MarquardtLawFirm.com. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio with your host, Todd Marquardt. We're here with uh, attorney Peter Parenti, who is board certified in estate planning and probate law and board certified in tax law, and he's helping us understand the details of the series LLC. Before our break, uh, he mentioned that an LLC could be managed by its members, or it could be managed by a manager. Mr. Parenti, uh, please continue. Okay, so a a member-managed LLC is where all of the members, the owners of the LLC, want to be the managers of the LLC. Uh, so we, we call that decentralized management, saying that, that, that each member has a say in the operation of the LLC. A manager-managed LLC is where the members say, we don't really want to run this company. We just want to own it. We want to delegate the duties of running the company to a manager. And the manager doesn't necessarily have to be a member. The manager... Uh, we'll, we'll manage the LLC, we'll run the operation, uh, and, and the members just uh, are, are, uh, will receive distributions if and when the LLC makes distributions. 
see. So they, they don't want to be involved with the day-to-day mm-hmm. operations. Now, a manager can be a member, see. Now, if we're setting up an LLC, uh, my preference is manager-managed. If we're setting it up for, L- for, for asset protection purposes, you know, we want this, this LLC to own all of our investments, our, our stock portfolio, our, our, um, our uh, real estate, our insurance policies, real estate, real estate we're going to put in all of the different series, whereas the intangible type investments we want, we can have the, the parent LLC own, uh, 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 own all those. We want a manager-managed LLC. And what I usually do is I give the manager the 1% voting interest, and then then the other members will own the 99% non-voting interest. Okay. So I do a lot of these for clients that want a series LLC solely for asset protection purposes. But likewise, if I'm setting up a series LLC to operate several business entities, I still want that 1% management to be owned by a manager uh, and and that's I usually will set that up as a management trust. It's a uh, a disregarded entity trust, uh, irrevocable living trust that owns the one percent voting interest. The ninety nine percent voting interest will be owned by the client's regular living trust. Mm-hmm. Or if the client and the client's spouse have living trusts, will be owned. Uh, the ninety nine percent will be split between the the. the the, the husband and wife owning their uh, in their separate living trusts. Right? Say, so, but the, the 99% non-voting interest is nice because it's easily it's easy to give that away. Say you you set up a children's trust, you want to make gifts of 99% uh, of of any part of the 99% to your children. You 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 give them interest uh, in in the non-voting membership, right? To the children's trust. Say, Where, whereas the husband and wife will be the the the, the owners of the one percent voting interest in that management trust, right? and so they're uh, still in control. They they have one hundred percent control. One percent equals one hundred percent control, because so it's the only voting interest. The non-voting interest, you you can give that away until the cows come home, and 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 you haven't given up uh, one shred of control of the LLC. Right? So. So it's uh, uh, generally you know, what I do is is um, when I when I have a client that, that is interested in a series LLC is I I sort of do a a, a design diagram showing them we're going to have this management trust on the one percent voting your living trust is going to own the ninety nine percent non voting or your your trust and your spouse's trust will will split the ninety nine percent non voting. Uh, and and I, I show them a diagram with all these, and then I show them all the, the different series of series. You know, the property on 123 Main Street, well, that's going to be series one. The, the property on 1225 uh, Front Street is going to be on, on, on series two, and, you know, uh, I, I just show them all the different right. properties that are going to be in the, the series subsidiaries. Okay, well, that's <clears throat> great to know. And uh, just so that our audience is aware, attorneys at Marquardt Law Firm do set up uh, the series LLC like uh, Mr. Parenti has uh, been describing to us. He's uh, worked with me on several of the series LLCs that I have set up. And so uh, I have found that people with uh, who like to invest in rental properties like the structure of the series LLC 
and uh, other other businesses that maybe want to set up different divisions or different operations, um, but with a similar purpose. They they sort of like the design of the Series LLC too. Um, we're coming into our fourth segment now, and since Marquardt Law Firm uh, focuses on uh, business and estate law, including last wills, living trusts, and tax protected inheritance plans. We like to talk to our guests about their legacy. So, Mr. Parenti, uh, you help people with lo- their, their own legacies uh, for the last 47 years, your entire career. You know what legacy is all about. But has anyone ever asked you about your legacy? Right. Right. Uh, and, you know, I, uh, I practice what I preach, and, you know, I have everything that I own uh, owned by uh, uh, various trusts and, and series limited liability companies. So I'm, I'm, I'm a totally judgment-proof individual myself. Right? So I always like to say uh, in, in the words of Aristotle Onassis, one day he was showing uh, a friend of his his shipping operations there in Greece, and he says, you see all those ships out there, right? I don't own a thing, but I control it all. Right? So that's that's the way I am. I'm, I don't own a thing, but I control it all. Right? So, so you know, I, I've I've just made a practice of of whatever I recommend for my clients. I make sure I have that too. I've done the same thing mm-hmm. myself. So, a lot of times, uh, I'm surprised. I'll speak to audiences of lawyers, and I'll say, "Now, how many of you have done this for yourself?" And maybe just a few of them will raise their hand, and I. I, I just I just scold them. I says, now how can you be telling clients to do this when you haven't done it yourself? I says, go do all this planning for yourself too. Uh, yeah. And yeah. so, how would you like to be remembered? Well, uh, I, I guess I, I'd like to be remembered as uh, the uh, uh, a lawyer that um, helped uh, people uh, uh, avoid the probate system and uh, and disinherited the IRS. yeah well that would be a great way to be remembered uh you have a have had a tremendous impact on me as a young attorney and you probably have other uh, mentees that would say the same thing about you do you think that you've had a, a big impact on this area of law Yes, I, I, I feel I do. You know, as, as uh, one of the owners of Wealth Council, uh, when we first started a company uh, in 1997, um, uh, was uh, I, I've, I've taught thousands and thousands of lawyers all over the country on, on how, to, how to do living trust planning, uh, uh, business entity planning, asset protection planning. Uh, I've, I've taught thousands of lawyers. So, you know, I, I, I have this philosophy that, you know, when I came to this earth, I didn't have all this knowledge. I acquired it uh, by, by, by learning, but I, I learned a lot of my knowledge from other people. See? So I, I feel it's my responsibility that uh, before I pass away to pass on my knowledge to other people. Right? So, mm-hmm. so that, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, President Kennedy was famous for the quote that he said that good judgment comes from experience, but experience comes from bad judgment. And I always tell my mentees that it doesn't necessarily have to be your bad judgment. You know, you could say to people, you know, that, that experience has taught me, and, and, but I was experienced. I was the experience that taught them. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I may have made mistakes over my career, 
but I, you know, we, we all learn from our mistakes. But I also learned a lot from other lawyers that had made mistakes and taught oh, yeah. me not to do the same thing. So, so it's, it's, I feel it's, it's my responsibility as, as a senior lawyer, uh, I'll, I'll be 73 next week, uh, to, to pass on my knowledge to other lawyers. So I, I, just, I just enjoy very much passing on my knowledge to other lawyers and, and sharing my experiences with them. You've been a great teacher. Well, and you, you've been a great mentee, and, and I enjoy working with you very much, uh, and I, I want to continue working with you. Uh, and uh, you know, anyone listening to this program, if you're interested in anything we talked about, contact Todd. And if you want me involved with, with your, your matter, Todd will contact me. So, so don't contact me directly. Contact Todd. He's my mentee, uh, and he's, he's, he's the one that I prefer to work through. Great. Uh, I mean, at, at 73, I, I really don't uh, uh, have, have uh, the ability to work long hours anymore like I used to, so I'd rather work with a mentee like Todd. Great, yeah. And so we could set up a, a series LLC and a living trust and uh, avoid probate and protect assets, and that might be a good plan uh, for somebody listening today. Yes, Absolutely. So let's go back a bit because you mentioned the Living Revocable Trust as a member. And so um, I had heard that, uh, just to share an example that people might uh, relate to, that of of all the business entities that uh, President Donald Trump owns and, and operates, the, everything he has is probably going to be owned by a revocable living trust. Have you heard that? Uh, yes, I, I've, I've heard that. Yeah, And, and um, um, revocable living trusts, well, yes, they're, they're used by a lot of wealthy people. You don't necessarily need to have the, the wealth like our president to, to, to use a revocable living trust. Uh, I mean, it, it's, it's a much better estate plan than just relying on a will because your will really doesn't cover everything that you own. It's not going to cover your property that you own jointly with someone else. It's not going to cover any of your, your, your beneficiary designation assets like IRAs and life insurance and annuities. So a lot of people think that by doing the will, they've planned their estate, and they've only done partial planning when they plan with just the will because they really haven't planned for their insurance. They haven't planned for their annuities. They haven't planned for their, their uh, IRAs. So whereas with a living trust, you can bring it all together under under one trust and, and and cover all of their assets whether they be probate assets or non-probate assets well this sounds like a good episode to bring mr perenni back to really delve into the details of uh, how a re- living revocable trust can help somebody plan their estate whether they're a, a millionaire or a thousandaire that's my word a thousand error is somebody who has less than a million dollars. So uh, thank you, Mr. Parenti, for joining us today. I've enjoyed the uh, visit. And we will uh, try and have you back sometime soon in the future. Until then, uh, you've been listening to Talk Law Radio with your host, Todd Marquardt. Merry Christmas. 